If those of you who know me very well know that I am uh, uh, what might be termed a, a history freak. That, that is not an admission that I'm a freak of history. Uh, that, that's an admission that, that I'm a history freak. I like history. I love history. If there's a time show on TV, I'm watching it. If there is a time machine that's going to be built, I'm, I'm in it, man. I am your experiment right here. Let me go. I just freak. If, I mean, wouldn't that, that be pretty cool? I mean, if you could go back, think for just a minute. If you could go back to any time, think of when you'd go back to. Lewis, you're a history guy. You love that archaeology type stuff. You know, when would you go back? Bill Young, are you in here today? Bill Young could be old. It'd be the first time in his life. When do you get to go back? And why would you go back? What would you want? Would you go back to see some big historical event? Would you go back to figure out how they actually put Stonehenge together and what it's there for? You, you know, my, my mom would go back to Roswell in 1945 to see the crash to confirm that it was a UFO. Um, um, I, I would want to go back to taste desserts through the ages. Like, what was the top dessert in the year 1014? I mean, you know there was one. And they just didn't keep notes so we don't have the recipe. But I'd love to try it. I'd love to go back and figure out culturally what was happening. One of my favorite things to do with my grandmother is to sit down and let her tell me history. Because even though she's 35 years old, she was born in 1917. And so there's a lot of history that she can give us that, that we don't have otherwise. I started the class that way because today we're going to take a bit of a historical tour of some things to understand where Paul spoke about God the Father. Today we're dealing with Paul's teachings and, and ideas and, and writings on God as Father. Last week, if you were here, and we had about 333, we've got more than that this week, so some of you were not here last week. Last week we spoke about how the Bible and how Paul uses what's called an anthropomorphism about God. It's where you take something that's not human and you give it human characteristics so we understand it better. We relate to it better. We looked at some Old Testament passages that talk about the hand of God or the mouth of God or the eyes of God or how God remembered Noah. And we explain that that doesn't mean that God's physical in the literal sense of a human. Jesus confirmed that God the Father is spirit and those who worship him worship him in spirit and in truth. It doesn't mean that God had forgotten Noah and then suddenly started remembering again. These are anthropomorphisms. It's an effort to help us as humans understand divinity that is, be, except for his revelation, beyond our understanding. And so we used for an example of an anthropomorphism Tigger because we recognize that the wonderful thing about Tiggers is Tiggers are wonderful things, but real tigers don't sing and they don't dance and they don't play with Winnie the Pooh. Tigger is an anthropomorphism. It's taking human traits and tagging them onto this animated tiger. 
right? So now, with Tigger, or an anthropomorphism as a background, we're going to look at the way Paul writes about God as a father. Father. And so, ooh, that's messed up. See if I can make that any better. I can't make that any better. Here's how we're going to do it. I'm sorry, I can't handle that. It's just this thing with me, and we're going to fix it. Um, let's see. Why don't we, how are we going to fix it? Okay, I'm, I'm like really short on time this morning too, so we're going to have to fix this fast. We're coming over here, and we're going to take that, and we're going to add an exit effect, disappear. And then we're going to take this back over and scoot it back over there. Okay, it was at 5.40 this morning when I was doing this. You will have to, uh, and then we're going to X that out. We're going to scoot that up. Then this is slide number five. Presenter tools. Is this thrilling or what? And somebody will watch this on the internet. Okay. This week, we're going to talk about God the Father. And the way we're going to do that is by asking first, how did Paul understand the word Father? When Paul spoke of God the Father or wrote of God the Father, what's in his brain? You say Father to me, I think of my dad, Daddy Bill, as he's known in our home, who passed away February 1st, 2004, but never forgotten. And that's, that's what I think of as father. Some people, I had a wonderful earthly father. Marvelous. A kind, loving, godly man who is a great example. Some people have not been so fortunate. Their draw has been a, 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 a wretched father. What was Paul's idea when Paul calls God father? Our tendency is going to be, when we read God the Father, to read into it what we've experienced. And our effort in good theology is going to be, instead of reading into it what we've experienced, to read into it what God has revealed about it. Does that make sense? Don't start thinking, this goes back to our lesson several weeks ago, that God the Father means He's a Father in the sense that we understand Father. Let's see how He defines Himself as Father. And then maybe even those of us who are fathers can learn to be better fathers. So, how did Paul understand the word father? Then the second thing we'll do after we look at that is we'll study Paul's theology of God the Father. What does Paul say about God the Father? And what does it mean for us today as we look at our points for home? So, let's begin. Point one, how did Paul understand the word father? Well, we don't have a time machine to go back and to see how he lived and what his home was like. But we do have some insight from Scripture. Paul tells us in Philippians he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. That means his Hebrew lineage had stayed pure through the deportations, through the captivity times. Paul's Hebrew lineage was legitimate. Paul grew up in a home where Hebrew was a language. Paul says, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. That means his father was as strict and religiously devout as he was. So we know Paul, who's also rabbinically trained, we know he was trained at the feet of Gamaliel, 
in the city of Jerusalem, one of the top two rabbis of that era, Gamaliel and Hillel, top two rabbis. You can go back and read in Jewish literature that remains to this day many of the sayings and writings of Gamaliel. And so we've got Paul, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Where then will Paul's concept of father come from, this rabbinically trained Old Testament scholar who grew up in a home staunch and dead set in the Old Testament scriptures? Paul's concept of the word father is going to come from the Hebrew scrolls, what we call the Old Testament those scrolls that Paul had studied, those scrolls that Paul had read, those scrolls that were a part of his family history, that's where Paul's going to get his idea for father. Now, we have, in days gone by, had a Greek word for the day in each day of this class, but since we're looking at the Old Testament, we don't have a Greek word for the day today. We got rid of the Greek. Today we have a Hebrew word for the day. And it's not anthropomorphized. That's far from anything Hebrew. Instead of anthropomorphized, we're going to have the Hebrew word for father. Are you all ready? First of all, how many of you know your Old Testament songs? It's going to help you remember this. See, the Hebrew word for father is av. See that? Actually, if you look carefully, that's a B and an A. Now, that does not mean father is bad. Bah. Father has nothing to do with sheep. Hebrew reads right to left, which for y'all would be here to here. Okay? So that's Av or Av. The B and the V are the same letter. Ab, A-B. All right? Ab is father in Hebrew. That's not hard, is it? I mean, what's our Hebrew song? Father Abraham had many sons, sir, and many sons had father Abraham. Do you all know that song? Lewis, you want to get up here and lead it? No. Uh, <laughs> um, Abraham, the father, father Abraham, the Av part of Abraham is father. He is father Abraham. It's inherent in his name. It's who he is. Avram. His name means father in part. So you've got Father Abraham. Now, how do they get Ab? All right, how many of you under the age of 18 in here? Raise your hand. Okay, what is a word? What is a word that sounds like its meaning called? If you're under 18, come on. An onomatopoeia, remember? Okay, those over 18 are supposed to know it too. I'm not scolding you, but this is one for those under 18. Okay, young lady, you work at Chick-fil-A, don't you? She helped me yesterday. Um, grilled chicken sandwich. Do you know what an onomatopoeia is? Okay, good. Can anybody come up with an onomatopoeia word? Bam! Yeah, all the Batman words. Splat! Or how about bzzz, a buzz. Buzz is an onomatopoeia, right? Ab, scholars believe, is an onomatopoeia for what a baby says. Ab, actually, if they were my babies, it'd be more ah, ba, 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 ba. 
which I immediately told Becky, ah, first words out of their mouths, dad. Ba, 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 dad. And it worked real good till we were at the county line restaurant. We've got Rebecca there and she points at the picture of the pig on the wall and goes, ah, ba, 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 ba. <laughs> Becky looked at me and she said, I guess you're right. It is dad. <laughs> um, I will tell you that just as Ab is father, as an onomatopoeia, what would be the affectionate way? What would be a natural extension if you wanted to just have the baby word for father? Abba. Abba, 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 Abba. And Abba is an affectionate form of Ab. It's kind of the, it's the daddy to the dad, if you will. Now, that, that's not to say this is your father's your Abba, because that's a different Abba, okay? So, let's keep that out. But it might help you remember it, okay? Now, with that in mind, with Ab as our Hebrew word for the day, let's look at the Old Testament and what it says about Ab, because it's got Ab in a lot of different places. Ab does not always mean your physical father. That Hebrew word ab has more meaning than just your physical father. Your, as we'd call it, your genetic dad or your adoptive father. It's not just your legal father that ab is used for. The word ab that Paul is familiar with refers to someone who starts a movement. We use it the same way some today. Didn't we in school learn that George Washington is the father of our country? Well, in that way, he was a leader within the movement. And that's what it's driving at. Jabal is called the father of those who dwell in tents. His brother Jubal, in the next verse, is called the father of those who play musical instruments. Well, it doesn't mean that anybody who dwells in tents had Jabal as their physical father. It means he's the leader of a movement. Av means the leader of a movement within the Hebrew meaning of the word. Not only does it mean that, but it means someone who's deserving of special honor or respect. Um, David calls Y'all don't know that song, do you? What you want, baby, I got. Yeah, okay. A little respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Okay. David calls King Saul father when Saul's out trying to hunt him in the mountains to kill him. You'll find Elisha calling Elijah father. You'll find Elijah's students calling Elisha father. It's someone who deserves special honor or respect. Also, that Hebrew word av. The Hebrew word av references someone who takes extra care for those in need. The person who's actually there to meet the needs. Joseph calls himself an Av, a father, to Pharaoh and his household because Joseph is there during the years of famine to take care of them in their need. So Av, this word that we translate father, in Paul's mind, is going to mean something more than just a genetic father. It's going to mean someone who takes extra care for those in need. It's going to mean someone who's deserving of special honor and respect, someone who's the head of a, of a movement or, or a cause or an occupation even. 
course, the core meaning for Hebrew Av, as well as for our word father, is a family father. But the family father in the Hebrew context has more to it than some of our households do today. Now, this, as I go through it, I'm telling you what the Hebrew father had as his role. This is not a class deciding whether or not these are appropriate roles for us today. Because that's another class. We're going to talk about Paul and family later. We don't have time to try and plug that in. So within the framework of that, with that warning, let me say, here is the Old Testament role of father. In the Old Testament, the father had almost unlimited authority. Let's get almost up there. Almost unlimited authority in his home. Very different than today in some regards because today certain authorities that any of us have have been taken over by the government and society and, and husbands and wives have different roles today than they did then. Back then it was what father said went. Father had almost absolute authority, not just like where are we going to eat tonight or what is going to be made for dinner or something like that. I'm talking cradle to the grave. You want to get married? You ask dad. Now we still have some traditions like that. I have four daughters. I expect uh, whatever suitor they have to at the appropriate time come ask me for their hand in marriage. And I'd love to think, I'd love to think if I said no, they would say, oh, okay, well, I was just asking and walk away and never be in my daughter's lives again. <laughs> but I mean, back then it was a no-brainer. Father had absolute authority. We've got to be careful here also. And there, there's a warning here. Uh, the warning is authority is not always exercised properly. And I throw that in there because some people in here have had fathers who the authority they did have in the household, they did not use it wisely. And we live in an age where I know people in this class who had abusive fathers. And that makes God weep. That puts a taint on all fatherhood, if you will. Because that's never been tolerated. That's never been allowed. That should never be tolerated, I should say. Children are taught to honor their father in the Old Testament. Now, yes, the passage says, honor your father and your mother, but there is a special honor and respect that children were to give to their father above any others. In the Old Testament, we'll see that the father, Isaiah makes this reference, um, the father is a potter who molds the clay of the family because it's the father who shapes the family. We'll also see in the old, that's in Isaiah 61. I've got the references for this stuff in your handout, but I'm not putting them in all of the PowerPoint because you can read the handout. Um, the father is who's responsible for protecting his children too. You, you want, I loved Louis Miori's story he told me. I've tried this. It didn't work so well for me. I don't know how it worked for him. But there was a young fellow who had great interest in Louis's daughter, Jennifer. And before this young fellow was going to get to take Jennifer out very much at all, he had to come get Lewis's okay. And Lewis sat him down. And Lewis said the following, if I don't mess this story up, he can tell me if I do. He looked at this boy who I'll name Steve. Just because Steve's 
sitting in front of me, so that name's easy. He says, Steve, that's my daughter. I am the doorway to my daughter. You want my daughter? You go through me. And I will slam this door on you hard if you ever cross certain lines. Let me tell you what they are. <laughs> and he was, he was, And I want to tell you something. His daughter may not have ultimately written that down as her dream first date. <laughs> but there's not a doubt in my mind, Jennifer Miori will go to her grave knowing that her father will protect her with his life. One of the hardest parts of me when dad died was realizing that there is one less person that will stand between me and the world who would stand there and take a bullet for me. That's the father's responsibility to protect the children. In the Old Testament, the father was responsible for training the children. I was torn between this picture and one that, that Dale found of a kid swimming and the dad holding him, teaching him to swim. It could, both ideas are there. I probably should have used both pictures. Because the dad's not only responsible for teaching the kid how to swim, if you will, for, for, for training him in that way, but he's responsible for teaching him right from wrong. It's a wise father who teaches their children right from wrong. And it's a, 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 a wise son or daughter who learns from their dad. I can remember as a kid that point where I reached, I, I consider it one of my Kodak moments of, of growing up. I remember when I realized that my mom and my dad, they weren't perfect. They're not always right. They make mistakes. But their motives were always the best for me. And if they said, do this or don't do that, they generally had a pretty good reason. And if I could ever have any message for any of you kids who raised your hand when I said who's 18 or younger, it's listen to your parents. Because they don't just tell you that for their jahas, they tell you that based on their life's experiences. Trying to see that you become who you can be. The father's responsibility was for training his children. The av, the father was responsible for teaching the children. That was the father's responsibility in the Old Testament. A lot of dads today leave that to mom. Father's responsibility. If you were celebrating Passover in a Jewish home, the children would ask their father, what does this mean? And the dad tells the Passover story. The construction of stones by... Uh, 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 eh, let's keep moving. I'm going to run out of time. Trust me. It was the father's responsibility for teaching his children. Now, I find it interesting that it's extremely rare in the Old Testament that you ever find God referred to as a person's father. Lewis said the prayer this morning in church, uh, the closing prayer, or the prayer at the end. And, and Lewis prayed to God, and as I was praying with Lewis, I noticed Lewis called God Father several times. I'll bet you do the same. It didn't happen really in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God was someone whose name was not even uttered. If, you, if you're reading your Old Testament 
and you're a Jew, and you come across the name that we call Yahweh, a Jew would not say that name. If you did, you were punished by stoning. God was so high and holy and reverent, when you got to that, you would either say Adonai, which means God, or more likely Hashem, which is Hebrew for the name. You just come across the name of God and you say, the name. You don't, you don't say his name. You don't read it. You don't pronounce it. God was never really called on a regular basis the, the father of someone individual. Sam Harless would not call God his father under the Old Testament. It just didn't happen much. And yet when we get to Paul, Paul calls God father over and over and over and over and over and over again. Over 28 times in some, well, 28 times just his father, but many more if you add the references to we are his children and things of that nature. Now, if Paul calls God father 28 times, and Paul's this Old Testament scholar, and Paul's grown up in this Jewish home, and it's just not commonplace in the Old Testament or in a Jewish home, where did all this come from? Paul setting blazing trails for the church? No. We never want to lose sight of this as we study Paul. Because I think some Pauline scholars do. Paul is not someone who was set, in a, set apart from Jesus. Paul was, first and foremost, a follower of Jesus. It wasn't Jesus went left and Paul took the church right. Paul took the church after the trail blazed by Jesus. And so Jesus taught his apostles on the Sermon on the Mount. Teach us to pray. Our Father in heaven. It's Jesus who caused a transition. It's Jesus who brought a relationship to God the Father that isn't really found in the Old Testament. It's Jesus who brought this novelty to mankind which is now universal through the church of God as Father. It just wasn't... Oh, God is referenced and compared to a father. Like God will be as a father is to the fatherless. But it's not God himself being called the Father, except on very rare occasions in the Old Testament. Now, recognizing that Paul follows in Jesus' footsteps, and that Jesus has taught Paul and others to pray, Our Father in Heaven, because Paul certainly had large exposure to those who walked with Christ. He heard the stories, he heard the accounts, not to mention the fact that Paul had his own divine encounter with the risen Messiah on the road to Damascus. And multiple revelations after that. Paul then is in a position to be writing his letters talking about God as Father because it was the Christian thing to do. Now, with that in mind, let's go back and see why that Hebrew word av fits what Paul wanted to say to a T. To a T. God is Av. He is Father par excellence. Beyond measure. Perfection. Let's look at it again. Hebrew word Av. God, the Father, started a movement. 
You might be saying, yeah, he started Christianity. I don't think Paul would go with you there. Christianity to Paul wasn't a new religion. Christianity was the proper fulfillment of Judaism. It's what God had been working toward for thousands plus years. Where God started the movement was when God called Avraham, or Avram at the time, from Ur and promised him, in you shall the nations be blessed. Paul quotes it in Galatians 3. But the, 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 the movement that started, that we're a part of, if you want to go find a real genesis of it, pardon the pun, go to Genesis. God calls Abraham out from Ur and says, in you shall all the nations be blessed. It's with Avram. He says, I want you to sacrifice your son. And as Abraham's about to do it, God says, time out. This is a picture and an image. But to make it complete, you don't lay a hand on your son. I'll provide the sacrifice. Because it's God's son that's going to be the sacrifice. Killed, if you will, by his father. Sacrificed by his father for the sins of mankind. See, the, the, the movement, yes, God is father of, of our faith. Faith of our fathers, but faith of the father. But that movement started way back. It wasn't a new religion with Jesus. Next illustration. God, as Father of, He does merit special honor and respect. And Paul gives him that. Paul has that meaning for him. Paul's the one who, in Philippians, talks about the crucified, the resurrected Messiah, God-made man, who brings every need to bow, but Paul says it. Think back about that passage. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Paul says, have the same attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore also God highly exalted him, and bestowed on him, Jesus, the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All of that, to the glory of God the Father. God, Father, who deserves special honor, special respect, Special devotion, special worship. Let me tell you about my Father. God has that meaning as Paul speaks of God as Father. All of that's within what Paul's saying. How about the other way it's used in the Old Testament? Of, Father, taking care of those in need. Isn't that God? God gives us this day our daily bread. We're alive. We're, 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 how are you doing today? Better than I deserve. Okay? Because of my God. But take it the next step further. Look at the passage of Scripture Pastor Fleming put on the screen this morning. 
God showed his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Romans passage. You want to talk about taking care of those in need. He doesn't do it. He didn't save us when we were brilliant enough to ask for it. I had a professor in school, Dr. Floyd. And Harvey Floyd, one time, uh, 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 one of the students said, Hey, Dr. Floyd, tell us about the day you were saved. Dr. Floyd said, Well, he had this interesting voice. Well, and he took his glasses off. and he, The day I was saved. Let me tell you about the day I was saved. Ooh, I'd like to do that, yes. Ooh, the day I was saved, well, well, let me tell you. I don't know what the weather was, but I can tell you it happened over a thousand years ago, almost two thousand. Yes, I believe it was almost two thousand years ago on a cross on Golgotha. Let me tell you about the day I was saved. You know, God saved us. He died for us. While we were yet sinners. It's not, oh, I'd like to become a Christian. And God says, okay, well, let me, now that you're ready, let me do this stuff for you. No. He showed his love for us. God takes extra care for those in need. He, which is all of us. Which is all of us. God has unlimited authority. You can take the almost off now. God has unlimited authority, and Paul sees it that way. There's no question in Paul's mind. I mean, Paul was a God said it. That settles it. If, if God has said, I mean, Paul is ultimate authority to God. We're to honor God the Father. We're to show Him respect. Paul says... Give thanks always and for everything to God, our Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to give God thanks and honor and respect and glory. We're to, to give glory forever and ever, Paul says, to God, our Father. That idea, when you pray to God the Father, you're praying to someone who is worthy of your respect who is worthy of your honor, who is worthy of your praise. And when you call him Father, you're giving him that due. If you use it in the Hebrew or biblical sense of Father, when you pray to God the Father or you call God your Father, you're calling him that as an honor. Let's look more. God the Father is who shapes his family. Oh, as a father... It is my prayer to be able to shape my family in ways that are good. Fathers can shape their family in ways that do a lot of damage. I don't want to be that kind of father. But the amazing thing about our Heavenly Father is He shapes us exactly the way exactly the way we need to be shaped for His divine plan for us. It's his design. Oh, we may want to leave the wheel and go out and crash and burn ourselves, but the way he is handling things in his will. Paul actually uses this. Paul has a passage in, in Romans 9 where he says, 
who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why'd you make me this way? Doesn't the potter get to do with the clay what the potter wants? My sister, Catherine's a potter. You can go watch her in her studio. She can take that clay and do anything she wants to it. And never once, I've always been fascinated. For 20 years I've watched her do this. Never once have I seen the clay look back and say, Stop it, I want to be a punch bowl. <laughs> if Catherine wants to make a punch bowl, she makes a punch bowl. She wants to make a coffee mug, she makes a coffee mug. Heavens, she made a sink for us. She makes what she wants to make. God shapes and molds us. That's his responsibility. That's who he is as our father. How about this? God the father is responsible for protecting his children. You need protection. You need someone to stand between you and the world and take a bullet. God our father who loved us. God our father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace will do that. He has protected you for eternity. He's not going to drop you here. I have a dear friend who uh, has had a tough crisis in life. Uh, he had someone uh, steal um, an inordinate amount of money from him. An inordinate amount, a large sum for him. It was, it's money he needed to pay his taxes. It's money he needed to pay his mortgage. And during the hurricane, someone who worked for him, who had access to his computer took the money and left. Gone. Now this man just became a Christian about a year and a half or two years ago after living this life for 50 years far removed from the Lord. And he said to me, you know, I'm trying to figure this out. Is God punishing me here? You know, why did God let this happen to me? You know, is it, this, is, this, is, this just doesn't seem right. And I'm not going to lose my faith. Maybe this is to see if I'm going to lose my faith. And I said, let me suggest something to you. Let me suggest this happened because that person who worked for you is a crook. And they ripped you off. And it's a fallen world. And bad stuff happens. And bad stuff happens to you if you're a Christian. And bad stuff happens to you if you're not. And I'll bet you she didn't rip you off because you're a Christian. I'll bet she ripped you off because she needed the money and she had a chance to do it and she thought she could get away with it. I said, the difference you being a Christian makes is God gives you what you need to handle it. God gives you what you need to handle it. The protection you'll have here is it won't destroy your soul. And through all of these things, God's going to work out something good. See, God's responsible for training his children. Paul will speak over and over and over about how God is our sanctifier. God who makes us holy. God who makes us righteous. God who, makes, who purifies us. God is at work in you. He'll finish the good work he began in you, Paul says to the Philippians. I'm confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Paul says in Corinthians that on that day we'll see fully as, as we've been fully seen. God the Father, responsible for teaching his children. Paul says it. He says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. God sent the Spirit. God's the one who teaches us. You know something about God? 
Praise the Lord because he's revealed it to you. Now, we can't leave this without considering the close family bond because Paul's not talking merely about God in these other senses. He does mean God in a very real family sense right now for the believer. Paul says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, 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 Father. Paul says the, the, the same thing. He says, you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And, and, and let's get gender specific for a minute. The Greek word Paul uses for adoption is specifically adoption as sons. It's a, it's a, it's a huiothesia. Huio is son. It's huiothesia, adoption as son. Do you know why Paul says that? All you ladies out there who know the Lord, you've been adopted as a son. And let me tell you why. Under Roman law, happened all the time. People adopted sons all the time. Daughters didn't really adopt. Sons they adopted because they needed the heirs or they needed the people to pass on the property to in special ways. When you were adopted as a son, every debt you had was canceled and paid for. You came in totally clean and you came in with full rights as if you'd been born into it. Adoption as a son under Roman law meant absolutely identical rights to a natural born child. But it has the special meaning of all of your past being washed away. Now anyone who knows the Lord, male or female, has been adopted as a son under Roman law. And we can cry out, Abba, Father, with the most affectionate cry to God the Father there can be. Points for home. Um, father, 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 Father. Paul uses it over and over. There is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. I want you to chew on that for just a moment. Because I want you to take it home with you. There is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we, his children, exist. I lost my earthly father in terms of him walking with me each day. I say I, we did. But... He's with my heavenly Father from whom are all things and for whom I exist. And the same is true for you. And that ought to change the way we live. It ought to... Yeah. Remember, when you leave here today, I want you to remember whose child you are. Point two. What son is there whom his father does not discipline? Now, I stole that out of Hebrews, and we don't know with definitiveness what role Paul may have had in the letter of Hebrews or the sermon of Hebrews. Some think it's a sermon. But the passage fits because God does shape and mold us, and sometimes that means discipline. Now, that doesn't mean when bad things happen, God's disciplining you. It might mean that, but it might not. You just got to be sensitive to it. But regardless, whether it's God disciplining you or whether it's just something bad happened that, 
that he's going to protect you from to some degree. Either way, it's the love of God being expressed in your life. Now, my children don't understand how discipline can be a good thing. But if you ever have a dog and you teach the dog not to run out in the street, that discipline you're exercising on the dog is a good thing. And that's the closest I can come to explaining it to my kids. Last point. Um, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Uh, Some people get estranged from God. I was talking to Becky yesterday and she was telling me about a friend she has who's angry with God right now. No, it wasn't Becky. I was talking to Holly, my little sister. She's got a friend she was talking to and the friend just is angry with God right now. And, and th- that's an okay thing to do. David got angry with God. But don't ever turn away from God. Work through your anger. Because he's your father. And, and his spirit has come into a believer in a way that, that proclaims an intimate relationship. God is no longer something in the distance that we go to Jerusalem to worship God is someone who dwells within us the spirit of his son cries out that he is our Abba father and we we take that home with us that's not just on Sunday morning that's 24 7 would you pray with me our father in heaven Honored and hallowed be your name. I thank you so much for this class and for each person here. And I pray very specially that you deliberately will reach into each person in this room or each person that hears you on the, the radio or the internet. That you will reach into their heart and touch them in a way where they sensitively recognize you as Father like they never have before. We pray through Jesus our Lord. Amen. Here come the judge.